Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Purpose Made Podcast. We're here to inspire positive change in our post-pandemic global society, talking to business leaders around the globe, discussing the highs, lows, and challenges they've experienced. Our hosts, Neil Bestford and Peter Bell, created Purpose Made in 2021 during the height of the pandemic, combining their passion for people, culture, and transformational change. They sit down with business leaders and ask, what does the future look like? Don't forget to click subscribe to hear all the latest news and views on our changed global society. Welcome back to episode two of the Purpose Made podcast. We're very, very pleased to have with us this week, Danny Chambers, Assistant Principal from Gateshead College. Danny's worked in education for a number of years, um, and we're going to be chatting to Danny about the impact that the pandemic's had on education. We're going to explore looking at the digital sector and how they've responded, whilst also looking at what the future might hold. I mean, first off, like, what what's the last 12 months been like? <laughs> what's the last 12 months been like? Do you know what? Personally, it's been... It's been all right. Other than week one, where I went into lockdown, working from home, you know, we moved 5,000 odd learners online very quickly. My son and my daughter went learning online. I'm an ex-teacher thinking, I got this. And uh, yeah, it turns out I didn't. So (laughs) working full time and trying to homeschool and do all the things that I think everyone had these grand expectations for was awful. So week two, had a bit of a cry and a talk to myself and then reworked my expectations to say, okay, this is good. Everyone's in this scenario. What what do we need to do? And actually, since then, it's been all right. You know, I've, I've missed my friends and I've missed a good cuddle because I'm a bit tactile. But generally, the working from home, the homeschooling, once I removed the ridiculous expectations, it, it was all right. We all coped. We all had good days. We all had bad days. And I think we're much luckier than others. We haven't, we've had a few family members that were poorly and have, have been hospitalised with COVID. That was quite difficult. The kids have had days where they felt sad and cross and lonely and then really happy and then doesn't ever want to leave their bedroom because they'd prefer to do that than homeschool. I've had work things that went really well and work things that went horrendous. But generally, just we've ridden it out quite well compared to what some people have had to go through. And I think the key thing for us is that we've kept working the whole way through. So no, neither of us were on furlough. Neither of us were impacted financially. So actually, 
that blanket of security was a bit easier for us. How's it been with the kids going back to school? Like, have they adjusted? Have they found it okay since they went back? And Yeah, well, my, my son's 13 and my daughter's nine. So my 13-year-old, who spent the whole time saying, I want to see my friends, I want to go back to school, as soon as he's gone back to school, said, I want to do my work from home and I want to sit back on my Xbox. You know, he was sort of really looking forward to it and now would quite happily still get on his Xbox three hours earlier. My daughter... She actually went back to school about two weeks before everyone else with me being a key worker and us getting ready and gearing up for our students returning. I was having to go into the office. So she was a bit more steady into the return and she's loved it. I mean, she's absolutely really, really sort of taken it in her stride and blossomed being back in that environment. But, you know, it's funny, isn't it? The things you learn. So I thought I knew my kids really well and we were quite a tight family. But honestly, who knew they ate that much? Who knew they had that <laughs> questions? Like ridiculous <laughs> amount of food. I'd like, I don't know how we've even, you know, I said we've not lost any money. But other than food, it's just like crazy. They eat and they ask things all the time. <laughs> always, talk to you. always in between a really big call. But um, no, they've generally been all right. I think I was probably a bit more anxious going back to work than than they were going back to school, if I'm honest. I don't know whether it's because I'm, I was going back into an education environment and I was going to be surrounded by a couple of thousand 16 to 20 something year olds. And I mean, my college has been amazing from day one. They've been so good with the with the COVID uh, guidelines and restrictions and the one way systems and the students are just lovely and they adhere to them we don't get any bother from them at all but you go from being four in your house to you in a work environment where you've got to walk down the corridor to go to the loo with 2,000 students have been in there at some point that day and I felt probably a little bit anxious about that but that lasted about 10 seconds as soon as I got back and realised what was in place and how well everyone was just adhering to it you can't believe how quickly we adapt even sort of 16 17 year olds are adapting and just doing what they need to do because we're kind of all in it together yeah I think that the rhetoric of um, people going back to work and back to an office like and I've, I've read a lot in the news of, of late talking about a push to get people back into the office environment but yeah as you say I don't think there's a full understanding at the moment of people's underlying apprehensions and thought processes behind it because it's been a long period of time that people yeah. have been out of that setting and you know like expecting people to go back some people are thankfully going to adjust quite well to it but others um you know you're going to see a difference in how people want to work going forward and I think that's that's something that is worthwhile keeping in mind I, I would have thought. I totally agree and I think that's I did a project around must be two and a half years ago now on sort of agile working and the concept was as a college if we are developing a workforce of the future the workforce of the future is quite an agile one you need to be flexible you need to be able to work from home manage manage output as opposed to hours in the day our mantra is education with employment edge but if we send them out and all they know is nine till four then that's not real life so we did this project in-house much much before COVID even existed where we gave three options of learning for particular groups of students so some were completely remote some were virtual in and out others were completely there and we we monitored how how well they did in their assessment and actually marginal difference because those that picked the working remotely had kids and chose that method because it fit around them we did it in particular groups as well 
groups of staff so our HR team were working remotely for a period of time and we we did it over about 10 weeks and it was really interesting output but the biggest change was the leadership so the staff were fine yes I can go and work remote or yes I can I can be in and out and not have an office and a desk with a picture of my dog it can be this sort of completely different working style but it was the leadership that really had to understand that not having presenteeism, not expecting everyone to be on a nine till five, being okay that someone's only worked four days, but they've still turned out their project at the same quality that week. And it was a real gear shift for us, but everyone was really, really on board with it because ultimately the work-life balance was a real plus. We all saw that not only in our with our learners who had outside commitments, you know, their carers and parents, but with our staff as well. And what we wanted to do was start to push that forward over the next year, slowly, slowly, as you do. And then COVID hit and we just went whole scale. So (laughs) we almost had this really nice little pilot. We understood how to manage remotely and not in a suffocating way and being flexible without that nine till five. And then we put it full steam ahead when COVID hit. So I felt like we were much better prepared than we than we probably would have been but it's there's still loads of learning right so as a as a manager so part way through I manage quite a few different teams and then underneath me they've got ginormous teams and I I had a period of time where my manager wasn't there and I suddenly had 20 staff that were sort of directly managing to me and that was a really different two months compared to the previous two I just had five managers so volume of staff volume of activity was quite a challenge and getting around everyone's working patterns was interesting but all doable all doable just see different people cope in different ways yeah exactly um, what's been like people's feedback I guess of the process because you know you, you mentioned like leadership being one of the key elements for kind of your successes in what you've witnessed but there's been a variety in leadership throughout the world and we can kind of see that in from nationally internationally from pandemic responses right down to from a school setting and how you know you're driven by the leadership and the competency of that leadership within that setting as well what's the learnings from this process that maybe some of the 20 people that you touched upon below have fed back and how have people been able to adjust to the process really I guess that's a really good question I think for me managing expectation So my own and that of my team and that of my customer. So being realistic that it's different and not trying to do the same, but in a virtual way. And we, you know, we did this really early on. So what's what's blended learning? What's virtual learning? What's online learning? Do I need to do a virtual lesson for three hours, stood there whilst everyone's typing on their computer? Or do I need to do it in a different way? And likewise with meetings. So I don't need to sit in a two hours finance meeting. If we're all virtual, you can send me something beforehand. We can, you know, look at that collectively, respond in a group message and then do a quick 30 minute meeting as opposed to us getting Zoom fatigue and sitting there forever. So I think there was quite a lot of learning very quickly around expectations. And then I think kindness, you know, we need to all be a bit forgiving that you're on mute, you're on mute. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you said it? And now well, a year down the line, you think, for God's sake, you know, we're still doing it. Just a bit bit kind and realising what's going on in the background. You know, I've got a colleague on a meeting who looks like they're drifting off. But actually what I realise is in the background is their kid asking a maths question because they're sat on the same table doing their schoolwork. So I think kindness is really, really key. And I just think really good communication. It's really easy to see. Well, it's not really easy. That's wrong. I think I find it easier to see a member of my team 
and know that they're not right or know that something's quite off or that they've had a bad day or particularly those that don't don't usually suffer with mental health or depression you can tell when they're out of step a little bit where they maybe just need a little bit of a positive something come on you're doing a great job or just something that makes them realize that they are coping and you can do that just by seeing someone walking down a corridor or you know bumping into them getting a coffee whereas virtually you couldn't so I really relied on asking taking the time in every meeting are you okay is everything going on what's going on is everything all right and really you know investing in that better communication and sharing how I was feeling as well I think really strong leadership is showing your weakness and showing that you're struggling and uh, saying I'm having a really bad day and I'm really out of sorts and you know just a little bit of vulnerability I think has helped as well that we're not all just getting on with it you know. Yeah, exactly. We're people at the end of the day and we've all got various different emotions and different feelings and thought processes. And, you know, it's like it's we're not machines. So it's um, we are going to have our good, good days and bad days. So Exactly. And I think that's but that's something I really want to take back into my face to face working, because, you know, when you see someone equally, when you see someone, are you OK? And they say, yes, you move on. And actually, I think we spent a bit more time virtually checking in. And I think that's maybe something as uh, moving forward post-COVID because, you know, of the impact, but also just being better at my job is sort of investing more time in that. How are you type stuff at work? And hopefully that will then lead by example for some others as well. It's the trust element as well, because, you know, you're building not just a a positive working relationship, but you're building trust and confidence in who you work with and who you work, who works for you, et cetera. So I think a check-in's a great, a great thing. And it's a great thing that people should be doing going forward. If we're going to move away from say the nine till five clock in, clock out type of working environment scenario, which clearly there's a lot of evidence to say that that is not what people want anymore. The the society has changed and we can harness the usage of technology to our advantage so there's a multitude of information out there that's showing that the world is changing so um you know that that is part of the change journey really i would i would have thought totally agree and i think those multiple channels now you know you always would have just emailed now we're sending messages on teams or you know we've got a whatsapp group or we're texting and then we're calling and then we're doing video i think i think that's all right to do all of that yeah. You know, I would love not to get back in the office and have death by email. I'd love it to be a text message to say, how are you doing with this? Is everything all right? And and try and adopt that myself as well. You know, I don't necessarily have to go and find them and see where someone's up to if there's a problem. Just picking up the phone. I think we all forgot how to pick up the phone. I don't know whether you felt like that, but yeah. It was the, definitely the, the thing that I noticed was... there was a lack of phone calls but I've started doing a lot of small voice clips to people because it's like you've got multitude of different text messages or even in like Neil and I's correspondence to one another it's like email or text or whatever it's over a multitude of different platforms and then it's just yeah it's basically using what's best for you in the short time frame but making sure you have those connections with people because I think during the pandemic it has actually changed the way that people interact with one another we've definitely as a family had more like zoom conversations and zoom calls and whatsapp been has been like a, a godsend to us because we've just had a he's now nearly a year old it's insane but we've just had a baby during the pandemic and you know, grandma and grandma and grandpa are like getting used to whatsapp and it's nice and you, you we're using it to our advantage it's definitely shifted the the mentality and the way in which we communicate with one another 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's funny, I don't, a member of my team always says to me when they get a message from me, it's like a surprise. Where is it going to come on? Is it a text message? Is it a WhatsApp? Is it an email? You never quite know. You know, I might get an email and respond on a text. So, you know, that's that's feedback I need to take on board, stick on the same channel. We were talking the other day, like Peter and I, about, because we've set this business up during lockdown. You know, mm. we, we've set it up during the middle of a global pandemic and it took us about a month and a half to two months before we even met. Like, we didn't even meet face-to-face for over... Mm. For over for like two months, and then and then we were having a conversation. Obviously, we kind of having to go on this like dual journey of getting to know each other from in like a professional capacity, and then also kind of getting to know each other in a personal capacity. And then we kind of had a quite an open conversation just the other day around when do you work? When's best to contact you? When do you not want to hear from me? And like and you know, and and we're conscious of that, and more conscious of like when when we message each other, is it like WhatsApp and and when do we not? And, you know, I don't work Fridays and it's like, oh, and Pete will be conscious of that. And he's like, oh, sorry, I've messaged you on Friday. And it's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. But it's that consciousness. And I think people have been a lot more aware. I'm not sure whether you found this, Danny, like people are being aware of people's personal space and people's personal time. Totally. I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think reestablishing the parameters are quite important because you just get used to going, well, I work ridiculous hours because my I'm homeschooling and, and whatever or I'm at the gym in the morning or I'm out for a walk and then I do it later on and then re-establishing that with someone you know I don't work Friday or I don't do an evening or that's really important because I think we 
I think there was always the risk. I mean, my partner works in education as well. And there was always the risk because everyone was working a slightly different routine. It meant that everyone was getting everything 24-7. And as soon as you put Teams on your phone, then that's it. Bing, bing, bing all the time. And you think, God, I'm ended up doing like a 14-hour day in the beginning. But yeah, I think I think that's, again, a really good, really good leadership move is if you want to manage a team not nine till five you want to you want to know who house likes to work how and what works for them but I think people are more forgiving now in the past if I'd messaged someone at five o'clock or seven o'clock on a Friday they'd have been going oh for God's sake whereas now you know they know that that's the pattern they know that the expectation isn't to reply it's because I'm working at that point and I've seen some really good email tags actually my uh, director of HR's got one which says at the bottom I email at this time because it works for me the response is absolutely fine within your working pattern or whatever it is it's just that get out of you haven't got a reply in the next 10 minutes type thing I can't imagine what starting a business is like though during this <laughs> keeping afloat was, uh, <laughs> keeping doing what I've been doing for 16 years was hard work let alone starting yeah. a business <laughs> But I mean, even like coming down to that, like I've utilised technology at the moment to manage my own diary. So I, I use a piece of technology and that that basically tells people when I'm available and I can block out like certain time in my diary. And like, God, sitting me in, in a previous role, your diary, your, your calendar was fair game. It was like literally anybody could put time in your diary wherever they wanted to. And yeah. there's very few people I know who manage that time and block out a specific time to actually do the work that they're sat in meetings to talk about because I'm currently running two businesses it's it's I've got to manage my time and manage my diary and make sure that I kind of free up the time that that I need to to actually get the work done so like how how has like in particular I've got in, in an education context like obviously technology wise like what have you seen in terms of the kind of the impacts on that over the last must be quite monumental but it'd be good to get kind of your idea I mean, it is, it's crazy. So I think, so I sit on the um, digital steering group for the LEP. I think the best quote I heard is we moved forward in three months, what we had hoped to do in five years in terms of digitising a workforce and getting people using this technology. And I think that's absolutely apt. You know, we, we, we did. And we had some great staff who completely embraced technology. You know, they were fully Google Classroom. They were doing video stuff. They were setting homework and doing video tutorials and doing video assessment. And they were absolutely fully into it. And then I had other departments where they're doing catering and they stand in a kitchen and they teach them how to cook. So then when we go virtual, they're like, um, how do, you know, I haven't even got a camera in my, in my kitchen. How do we do this? So for me, it was very difficult and stressful for some of my teachers who were teaching very practical engineering automotive catering activities that you couldn't easily translate in a virtual environment and then maybe weren't as clued up on some of the technology or hadn't had to use it or it wasn't necessarily a better way of teaching for them to then very quickly plan a year you know first lockdown we were coming towards the end of the year so it was more center assessed grades and what have they done so far and how can we get them back in safely you know, then we had to gear up for September, being absolutely exhausted by the first lockdown one, you know, missed loads of the practical stuff and then our staff to try and do some catch up over the summer, which they did, then plan for the unknown. Will there be another lockdown? Are they coming straight back in? You know, and we asked our staff to plan face to face 
completely virtual and part virtual. And that's a lot of planning. You know, you've worked in education before, Neil. It's hard enough planning one year, let alone three versions of the same startup. Then an induction. Then I've got staff who are shielding themselves. I've got staff who then have COVID. I've got staff whose families have been impacted really significantly by COVID and lost family members. They need a holiday. They can't go on holiday. You know, it's all of this stuff. The staff just absolutely smashed it. They they learned what they needed to do. They buddied up. They shared each other's experiences. As a leadership team, we just sort of said, what can we, what's easy, what are our easy wins? So we spent £30 on a web camera and put it in every single classroom and said, if you've got groups that are shielding, if you've got lessons that are meant to be face to face and now suddenly have to be flipped to virtual, you just turn the camera on and it's there. You know, you haven't got to try and plan all these different things. And the staff just really got on board with it and learned and adapted and changed. I mean, teachers are pretty special species. Um, You know, you've got to love education to work in it because it's just bonkers and really difficult and they just they just did it and I guess the thing we thought would be the most difficult was the students you know their response to this type of learning and they were great they just got on and did there wasn't any other option it's not like it's would you like to do this or would you like to do that it was this is all we got and we're going to make the best out of it manage the learners expectations the staff said we might make a few mistakes (laughs) we might not get this right but they just did it and practice and now it's sort of second nature to them really yeah i think what you said about you know we move forward in three months what we expect to do in five years was like quite a poignant thing to say there's a there's a guy called um sammy Saran, i think he's called um he's an observing research foundation at the new delhi of india um he talks very much about a platform planet basically how covid has accelerated the process of the use of technology and the and um but equally with that is we have this kind of ungoverned space essentially that everybody's utilizing on a, on a larger global aspect but yeah it's very much ungoverned it's a bit like the wild west at the moment we're kind seeing it at the moment with a lot of the legal cases that's going in press with respect to you know like Deliveroo and even to the point of Amazon and Uber it's just yeah but it's at the same time people have adapted to it so tremendously like as as I said earlier about like my my parents and grandma and stuff using WhatsApp my parents would have been fine but my my nana that was a shock (laughs) but it's it's just how the world's going. It's it's and essentially, I think technology is going to play a central point in what we look to evolve and look to do going forward. Because within the society we work and also live within, so definitely. Very- and I do think, particularly in education, we can sometimes be quite risk averse. You know, how do we safeguard? You know, we, how do we keep them safe? How do we do this? How do we do that? And once you've answered those fifteen questions, suddenly what you want to do, you can't do or it feels too difficult, or something else has come along. And I think what this has done for a lot of education providers is sort of lifted lid on that. You know, we can do it, we can do it safely, because it's the only way to do it. So let's just make it work. And there was even down to what on our induction, we've got a really good marketing team, their branding's brilliant, and they come up with really quirky, we're saying, oh, we need to t- tell the students about this. Well, why don't we call it that? And then it sounds exciting. So in induction, we did a whole thing around netiquette, which was etiquette of working online. So it was all about turn your camera on, make sure you dress, don't try and do a lesson in bed, you know, don't eat, don't smoke on screen, all of that. But we just sort of went out with this, you know, this netiquette and what's important for you. And there was no guidelines on it. We just thought what's what's right and what do we think is appropriate and how do we keep our staff safe and how do the students feel safe? And 
Yeah, so coming up with some good quirky things, and I guess we're just making up the rules, aren't we? You know, know what we know and keep them safe whilst trying to be innovative. I think we always, at Gateshead College, we always push for innovation, and I think one positive around COVID is that it's just accelerated that, you know, everything's got to be innovative because we've never done it before. You mentioned before about the the Digital Advisory Board, the LEP. What are you hearing kind of beyond the kind of education, the realms of education? What what kind of, without obviously kind of anything that's sensitive, but kind of what's what's the mood in camp, I suppose? This is where I get in trouble and say stuff that I'm not meant to, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, so general mood is, I think, I've been on with the digital steering group for over a year and there was a massive focus on skills for the workforce, digitalized, digital skills in non-digital environments and how we sort of move people on and how we allow businesses to grow and expand. This is pre-COVID, expand and come forward and, and come up with digital solutions so they don't end up, you know, collapsing or whatever. And there was a real thing around the aging workforce and then that linked into the skills group. And more recently, when we've been looking at what our strategy is and our agenda for the next 12 months, it's been less around digital skills for all and digital skills in non-digital environments because that's taken the step forward it needed and now it's been refined by those looking at renewable energy and those looking at general skills development. And what we tend to be looking at are all of these businesses that have now grown and we've seen a big, you know, there's a quite a lot of fintech in the region coming on board and there's a lot of you know, we're still desperate for software developers, whatever we call them in the 50,000 job descriptions that we put out, they will tend to have need the same sort of skills. And it's how we can then service these new businesses who have expanded or changed or moved during the COVID pandemic and make sure we've got the right sort of talent and skill set coming in. So it's kind of almost moved away from how do we get Joe to turn on a computer and use an email to how do we get Joe to write a bit of code because this now needs to be on a contents management system. So that tends to be the focus that we're looking down. Obviously, all of it's important and we still have pockets where we need to move forward with the digital mobilisation, but it, it seems less urgent. My feeling, my opinion is it's less urgent now than it was 12 months ago because, as I say, we've we've moved forward so much and not just in our demographic or younger generation. You've seen a lot of in that Pete's Nano or, you know, my mum and dad being able to, you know, smash a Zoom call and a quiz and present something on their Zoom quiz, having not been in the workplace is quite an important skill for them to have nowadays. It seems to be moving forward. But I think I think the key thing around digital is that this, region is really quite special so I call myself a Geordie even though I'm not allowed because I grew two Geordie kids and I've lived here for like 20 years so technically I'm allowed apparently I've been I've been agreed by other Geordies that I can say it but I'm really passionate about the northeast and (laughs) anyone who's born and bred here is the same that's the best thing about Geordies and and northerners is that they just so passionate about living here and rightly so and this region is really something quite special and we talk a lot about Manchester and things that are happening in Leeds and obviously London but I think the northeast in the next five years what we achieved this year to maintain and then grow I think the next five years is going to be a watch this space in the northeast I think it's a beautiful place to live I think the living and the eating and the entertainment will bounce back, no doubt. It would have the eat out to help out effects as soon as I can sit and someone else cook for me. I'm there. I know you're <laughs> I'm in that restaurant. But I think we've just seen all these new emerging talent and ideas coming forward and sort of maybe they've had six months on furlough thinking about this next great idea. It's afforded us the time to pause and reset 
and be creative and take risks and innovation and the technology is caught up with us. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely true. There's I read an article, I think it was in the Times, talking about time off specifically being the best place to live in the UK. We came up from London, but we're from Cumbria initially. But we came up from London of back in 2017 and you know the space like that you can get here versus you, you think to yourself well you can traditionally be paying like say just shy of two thousand pounds for like a couple of bedroom second floor flat versus a house full house and a garden and you know outdoor space etc there is a large uptake i think i read as well that the percentage of people that have left London to buy in the likes of Sheffield, the Northeast, Manchester, Birmingham, etc. That's only going to help the region and the North propel further forward. And I think COVID, it's, there's been a lot of negative, but equally there's been positive there as in the time to reflect. Like we've had the opportunity through 12 months plus to sit back and think, well, what is it do I really value? What do I want from this world? What do I want? That's where we kind of just got talking together and started this purpose-made business is the fact that we we can see the change. We know it's, it's, it's happening. It's in front of us. A lot of it has happened already, but going forward the next like five, 10 years, it's going to dr- dramatically change. You're not really going to see people. There, are, there will be people, but there's not going to be that impetus of jump on a train for like two hours commute there and back to go and sit in an office when you can do everything from wherever the hell you want. So think about that. Think about the you mentioned there about the, the optimism, the kind of the hope for the future, and the kind of the, you know specifically in the northeast, we're an optimistic region. We we kind of you know we we thrive on that. What does the next twelve months kind of look like from your perspective? Kind of what whether it be from a personal perspective or you know within the education landscape or digital wise or kind of what does it look like in terms of the next twelve months? So I'm very optimistic, but I also don't think in 12 months time we're going to be back to where we were, have completely free restrictions. I can't see myself in a mosh pit at Glastonbury Festival for quite some time yet. There'll be some (laughs) sort of version of it, Um, but I can't imagine those sort of things are going to come back to normal really quickly. I think masks are going to be part of what we do quite regularly now. I think uh, social distancing whether it's something that's mandated or something we just generally do and keep ourselves more protected I think in the next 12 months it's not going to be let's get to June everything's restricted brilliant you know you've only got to see what's happened in in Europe where you've got this third wave and that makes me a little bit less confident that we're coming out of this by the summer let's say that's probably the best way to say it in terms of education I think we've learned so much I think what's quite interesting is the staff really appreciate what they've learned and getting back into a classroom and seeing their learners face to face and I've sort of taken that time to reflect on how difficult things are virtually or how easy something is virtually that they wouldn't then do face to face so I think there's a lot of appreciation for those types of new things I think the students really appreciate the teachers, which they probably don't always, you know, even at a college where you choose to be there. You know, I remember being 16 and anything that got me out of bed when I had a hangover wasn't necessarily something I was grateful for. However, I think our students have really missed that interaction and that social environment and being there and appreciate their teachers. Yeah, I think we'll see that appreciation for teaching, particularly by parents who've had to do it, by students who've had their parents trying to teach them who were awful, such as myself. I think in digital, I think the pace will continue to go as long as we've got really good 
connection across the northeast and not just in the city it's easy to talk about it in terms of Newcastle, Gateshead, Teesside, Sunderland but you know our rural areas we need to make sure connectivity is a real focus and I know that is for the LEP in the region to make sure everyone's got access and not limited by living out in the sticks. I'd like to see the rail projects really push forward. I know that we're going to have to make some savings. You know, the Chancellor's put a lot of money into furlough and and other bits to as COVID recovery, but I hope we continue on with sort of fast rail and developments in that because I think that will help with bringing people up north. And personally, I think I have reset and reevaluated my priorities. It's very easy when you when you're working very fast to forget your work life balance at different points. And I've realised that I don't have to do that anymore because, I mean, I'm very lucky. I work for an amazing organisation that is so flexible and open to different working patterns before COVID, even even more so now. But I don't ever feel like I would ever have to compromise my work life balance, nor will I, nor will I. Because I've now got technology strategies, coping mechanisms to allow me to do a full complement of my job, as well as feel like I can be a good mum, a wife and a friend and a daughter and all the things that I need to be to everyone and myself. So I think that will be the 12 months for me. Or I'll just go back into a hell of working too much and <laughs> working too much stuff on a weekend and letting kids be too many clubs. That would be, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Like, thank you so much, Denny. That's been really, really insightful. Really good. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Purpose Made, a strategic change consultancy supporting people and business to navigate the post-pandemic global society. This is what transformational change sounds like. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And we'll see you again for the next episode. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.